The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. To the Riddle Wire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, we got a little bit to talk about here today. We got a wave of call ups. I know some people on Twitter have been saying this is uh, what the call ups we've seen, probably going to be one of the crazier fab weekends in recent memory, maybe of all time. It'd be nice to have some fab dollars left over. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't even want to really look at where my fab is on on some of my NFPC teams. I mean, I, I know I've got almost nothing left in in uh, stake league, but that's fine. Uh, it's just well, most of these guys are already owned, in the right? League. It's it's going to be you know you're going to have to do your due diligence on all these guys because it's not just one or two prospects you have to analyze in terms of playing time and skills and everything but it's we're getting we're getting close to 10 guys that would probably all be bidded on in, in 15 team mixed leagues and by the time sunday night rolls around it wouldn't be surprising if a few more guys were up we got corbin martin too of course wasn't available last week in the nfpc um we'll talk about him he's from what i saw was pretty impressive i uh, was able to get him in tout but yeah the nfpc i think the bidding will be pretty pretty aggressive for a guy like Corbin Martin, but it's kind of nice and somebody's not having any fab because then, you know, everybody can go spend their fab up top and then maybe some guys will sneak through. Right. Or into the pool. We, you might, you might be able to get like your sixth choice, mm-hmm. which could, could end up working out fine. I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see how, you know, I think, I think we know who probably the most expensive guy is going to be. Uh, but I'm interested to sort of see the pecking order of sort of average fab bids on on sort of that middle tier of guys yeah this is a pretty sweet little influx of talent to the major league level some really exciting players and we'll start with keston Hira on your brewers i saw two hits yesterday 
Now moving up from seventh to sixth in the order with Yasmani Grandal getting the day off today. So uh, hitting the ground running, at least in his first game. How optimistic are you that Hero will have a, a pretty nice, you know, steady um, season, not not a ton of peaks and valleys? Uh, I, th- I mean, I think with most prospects, you're going to predict some peaks and valleys. I wouldn't have predicted any peaks and valleys, or I wouldn't have predicted any valleys with Vlad Guerrero Jr., but he had like a 10-day valley there to, yeah. to begin things. Obviously, that's that's over now. But uh, with Hero, I mean, I think he's he's just really sort of ready for this level uh more so than uh players like carter keyboom or or cole tucker uh and i think there's a a definite need where he'll get enough playing time over a two or three week span to really kind of showcase what he can do and at this point I, i don't really doubt that he's a better hitter than travis shaw so while Shaw will inevitably come back from the IL at some point. I think that, you know, he might just be kind of squeezed out of things. It's unfortunate for him, but I mean, it's a, it's a performance situation when you're talking about a team with world series aspirations. And I think Hira is a significant upgrade for them over what they've been getting from Shaw. So I, I, I think I'm pretty, I feel pretty good about him being up to stay. I don't, you know, sure. If he if he really struggled over fifteen games, then maybe they would send him back down once Shaw was was able to come up or come off the IL. But I don't really see him struggling that much to the point where his playing time would be in significant jeopardy the rest of the way. So I think he's a a pretty easy guy to go heavy on in Fab, and I I doubt I have enough to to get him anywhere i would expect him to go for you know roughly 50 percent of budgets and and a lot of 15 team leagues so yeah i think he's probably gonna end up being worth that uh but doubt i'll end up with with shares of keston Hira. yeah i like travis shaw he seems like a nice guy I interviewed him once on um the xm show hashtag big shot but wow <laughs> but the fact of the matter is is he did not produce this season and uh, there weren't a lot of good signs under the hood either. So, I mean, he could come back and be a great bench piece for them. and Maybe Moustakas goes down, but not a guy who really warrants a, a regular role. Right. right. And and it's important to just point out, like, if Moose gets hurt, if Hira gets hurt, if Aguilar gets hurt, if Thames gets hurt, like, any of those things happen, then Shaw could have a job waiting for him when he comes back. But we don't know which of those things might happen, and... I, I don't see him replacing Keston Hira for per- performance reasons over the mm. rest of the season. Very interesting. So Hira's kind of far and away the number one priority this week. I think he, assuming you have a place to deploy him, I think you have to get really aggressive with him. I, you know, I could see a case, like let's say your utils clogged and you've got a really good second baseman, a really good middle infielder. Maybe you prefer Corbin Martin because you need help on the pitching side, or you know maybe you just have a huge hole at third base and you prefer Austin Riley. But uh, if everything's equal, I think Hira is in a tier of his own in terms of how aggressive I'd get on fat betting. Very nice with all these call ups. You know, kind of well, forgot myself just starting the show about your comprehensive update on the top four hundred. We'll talk about some of the risers and falls there, but you mentioned Austin Riley. Is he the number two guy for you? I guess that's kind of the big I think question. it's sort of splitting hairs between him and Corbin Martin. I obviously have Riley ranked quite a bit higher than Martin, but I have Martin just inside my top 60, so it's not like he's just some whatever pitcher. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a legit, really good starting pitcher with, with upside and a, a decent floor by pitching prospect standards, and he's obviously in a great situation on that team. And... I don't see his job being in any jeopardy if he pitches well the rest of the way. Uh, with Riley, I think that he certainly earned this promotion. He's been at AAA long enough, you know, much longer than a guy like Carter Keboom, long enough, I think, to kind of uh, have proven that he mastered that level. Like last year, 
he had some really really hot streaks at AAA, but there were there were plenty of strikeouts in those streaks as well. He's done a great job this season, especially over the past four weeks or so, of cutting down on the strikeouts. I mean, swing and miss is still going to be a part of his game against big league pitching, but I think that this is a guy that's earned the promotion, that's ready for the promotion. But at the same time, I think he's going to be playing out of position a little bit. And if he were to get off to a rough start, then you know I could maybe see him getting sent down, sent back down as a corresponding move when Inciarte does come off the IL. I, I think if he hits, it, it's kind of the same. There's a lot of parallels to me with with Riley. And Keyboom, I think Riley's more big league ready than Keyboom was, but it, it's there's parallels in the sense that if Keyboom had hit right away and kept hitting, I don't think he would have ever gotten sent back down. Uh, if Riley hits right away and keeps hitting, I don't think he's going back down. But if he struggles, I think he could, and I think that it's probably more likely that he struggles than it is that Keston Hira struggles. So I, I think that he's a really high upside add, but I do think there is some demotion risk within the next two or three weeks. Yeah, because Inciarte is not a guy as shaky as he's been so far this season. Not a guy that's going to be phased out. Other plans completely, I wouldn't think. You know, he uh, even if he moves to kind of a fourth outfielder role, I'm sure they'd want to keep him yeah. involved. And they could they could get a pretty nice four man rotation going where Acuna plays every day, and the other three kind of, you know, Marquez gets a day yeah. off a week, Riley gets a day off a week, and Ciarte gets a couple days off every week. Like they they could get a good four man rotation going there, but uh, they probably wouldn't move to a rotation like that if Riley was really struggling. And we've seen plenty of, you know, Colt, or, uh, Kyle Tucker was a better prospect when he debuted last year than Austin Riley is right now. And we saw he just never really got it going. And then he went back down and uh, was just kind of a nothing fantasy guy last year. It's possible that Riley just completely takes off and finishes the year as like their number five hitter. Uh, it's also possible that he struggles like like many prospects do. So I think... It's kind of a, a a boom or bust type of bid this week with Austin Riley. I'm really interested to see where the, the prices land on him. You know, last year my teams were so skewed heavily toward the the hitting or the pitching side, and this year it's kind of the opposite, at least in the NFBC. So, you know, I'm kind of okay to just sit sit back and let others go to town on these guys just because I don't really have the spots for them. But I am optimistic that Riley can, you know, carve out a pretty good role for himself with a good run early. Uh, do you think it's it's all outfield for him and no no third base probably? I think that they would be wise to give Donaldson a, at least a day off every week. I, I sort of think Donaldson's at the stage of his career to me that a guy like Ryan Braun is with the Brewers where just maintenance days make sense. You don't want to treat him like a everyday player. I think you, you want him there performing at his best at the end of the season. So I think I would, I would hope they give Riley a, a start or two a week at third base and uh, you know, three or four starts a week in, in the outfield. Yeah. It's that what he was doing at triple a Gwinnett was absolutely insane. You'd think there wouldn't be any trouble hitting the ground running for him. But as we've seen with, like you said, a guy like Vlad, who I thought if there was one prospect ever who I was confident would hit the ground running. Didn't really happen. Two homers yesterday, of course, for Vlad. It was just a matter of time, but you just don't know over a small sample what you're going to get from anybody, even the best players in the world. Um, among the other top names that are coming up, Oscar Mercado, Nicky Lopez, who do you like more for, for 2019? Well, I'm 100% confident, really, like maybe 99.9% confident, but close to 100% confident that Nicky Lopez is up to stay. I think he's just going to be their everyday second baseman the rest of the way, and he's him and Mondesi kind of make up their – double play duo of the future so I, I just have no concerns about Nicky Lopez getting sent back down on the other hand his upside to uh, you know maybe there's a chance he just hits like 310 over the rest of the season and steals 10 bases but I I sort of think it it's probably going to be more of a replaceable skill set uh, than what Mercado's upside is. You know, Mercado could steal 25 bases the rest of the way if he really maxed out, and he's got a little bit of pop too. Uh, definitely not a, not close to Nicky Lopez in terms of the hit tool, but he's got 
more power and significantly more uh, speed on the bases. Maybe not from just a, a pure runtime standpoint, but he's really aggressive out there. So I think Mercado's upside to me makes him a guy that you should be a bit more aggressive on than Lopez. Like I could see, you know, f- for instance, uh, in uh, one fifteen team NFBC league, I have David Bodie uh, and Nick Ahmed on my bench, and if I added Nicky Lopez to that mix. I feel like I would have three guys where I, would, I could just flip a coin every week. And to me, that's not a guy that you want to get aggressive on right, in fab. Right. Whereas Mercado, maybe he's sent back to AAA in three weeks. Maybe he carries you to three or four standings points gained in the stolen base department. So I think that there's just way more upside with Mercado. So he's the guy out of those two that for at least this year I'm, I'm more interested in. Yeah, Naquin on the injured list and Carlos Martina, or Carlos Gonzalez, excuse me. Uh, shocking that he's not really panning out. Um, <laughs> I have him on one in the stake league. Any of these guys available in stake? Have you looked? Uh, Eighteen team league. I, I think I would imagine like Nicky Lopez, maybe. But I can look. Um, I can look while while we're talking. Here. It's just stash. The stash craze has infected everyone in that league, and I get it. I have Kevin Biggio and Jorge Mateo, but. Um, did not go back to that well with Austin Riley. I was stashing him last year. Always a year too early. Nicky Lopez is out there uh, in that league. I believe Mercado is rostered already. Mm. And Riley, I'm sure. And Hira. Yeah, I wanna, I'm just going to see if Corbin Martin's available. Uh, he wouldn't have been. Yeah, so Corbin Martin is rostered so oh. i think the only one the only one of those guys we've talked about that's available is nicky lopez <laughs> now in an 18 team league like this one mm-hmm. nicky lopez sure that's pretty appealing you just plug him in the rest of the way and you're not going to consider taking him out of your lineup but 15 team leagues he's more kind of a start him some weeks sit him some other weeks yeah nicky lopez or our friend rob silver throughout the the steamer comp just look he's not editorializing at all here just mentioning that Nicky Lopez's kind of rest of season, 450 plate appearance projection, very similar to a guy like Tony Kemp. So, you know, 12-teamers, I don't think there's a lot to get excited about. Maybe not even enough to warrant a bid. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of compared him uh, when I was talking to uh, Todd Whitestone about main event. Like, I was like, well, he's him and Nick Ahmed. Like, I don't really see a difference between them the rest of the way, so I don't, I'm not that interested in him. You know, I haven't done this to you yet because I know you don't, you know, love being put on the spot every week. But I'm going to do it this week. I won't do it next week. But do you have a next next guy who's going to get the call? Do you think maybe Luis Urias, maybe Biggio? Uh, I think I think Jordan Alvarez. Jordan, okay. And, that team's I mean, going to be so silly. When Alvarez and Jordan Alvarez and Zach Allen. To me, it's just any day now on okay. both of those guys. And then, you know, Urias, I definitely think he's earned it. Um, I was able to get him in an NFPC league last week, and low cost, I was pretty thrilled about that. Yeah, I, I think he should absolutely be stashed. He's out there. The nice thing about him is that he's out there in plenty of NFPC leagues because he was drafted in most of them, so you don't have to – and he's already been promoted and sent back down. So at least – He's one of the few guys you can spec on. And in the I, NFBC, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nice when there are those guys who are picked up and dropped because, yeah, otherwise it's not stashing season in the NFBC. Um, but, yeah, okay, Gallon and Alvarez, we'll see if we can get another streak going with you as you had a couple years ago when you, when you accurately predicted, I think, six straight calls. It's going to be tough. Uh, they they really watered the pool down before today's show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like every, everybody else uh, up. I do want to quickly on Alvarez. The Had somebody tweet at us. I thought it was a great idea. Like, you know, why don't they just move uh, Lance McCullers to the 60-day IL to free up a 40-man spot for Alvarez? It's, it's not that. It's that. It's a 25-man spot. Big league. Yeah, right. Big league teams are very particular about how many hitters they carry on the bench, how many arms they keep in their bullpen, and they're not going to just go from carrying four guys to carrying five guys 
that it just doesn't really work that way. It, it would be at the expense of somebody on that bench. Yeah, and you can't option a guy like Ty, uh, Tyler yeah, White. Tyler White, option Tony, Kemp. Tony Kemp. Your obvious guys to, to make room for him cannot be optioned. So that's that's sort of the issue. It's not a just clear the 40-man spot. It's like who are you getting rid of on right. that 25? On that active roster, yeah. that's That team's insanely good, and they don't really have many lefty bats. And I was just was you know doing a sweep of guys returning from the minors. You still have A.J. Reed on that 40-man? Like, as good as that team is, how does that guy still have a 40-man spot? <laughs> they haven't been able to toss him in on any of these uh, low-level trades like they did with J.D. Davis. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, that worked out pretty well for J.D. Davis. But a quick note before we move on. Tired of the grind trying to win on DraftKings or FanDuel? Spending so much time trying to set a perfect lineup only to fall short of winning big? Well, our friends at Prize Picks have created the most simple and fast daily fantasy game all you have to do is choose over or under correctly on a player's fantasy point projections to win. No competing against thousands of pros while trying to meet a salary cap. With Prize Picks, it's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks has new boards of selection up every day, covering players from Major League Baseball, the NBA, PGA, NHL, UFC, NFL, college football, and more. They're also the first DFS site to allow you to make cross-sport entries, so you can go under on Durant while taking Tiger on the over. Prize picks really is daily fantasy simplified. Visit rotowire.com slash prize picks. Easy for me to say to sign up now. Or use promo code wire when you download the prize picks app. So, James, you just had a big overhaul, the overall top 400, uh, kind of the, the last comprehensive uh, full update before the draft, right? Yeah, from basically this morning until draft day 90 percent of my focus is just going to be on writing all the outlooks for the guys that are going to get drafted and then sort of figuring out where they will slot in the top 400 and so yeah it, it's there will be you know movement here and there uh guys graduate and i have to add somebody else in or you know like i've got to move lenny torres a pitcher for the indians down because he just had tommy john surgery stuff like that but there's not yeah. going to be big sweeps between now and the draft but then after the draft there'll be another big sweep uh just feels it's kind of fun to have like it's it's arduous to do these but it's it's uh rewarding and then it's kind of nice to just be able to sort of switch gears and go straight into draft prep and, and kind of <laughs> feel good about where the top 400 is for the next few weeks yeah just do this big overhaul and kind of hands off for a little bit aside from those minor tweaks you mentioned you also have a article to accompany this update and noting your biggest risers followers guys who have jumped onto the top 400 guys who have fallen off uh really good stuff we appreciate all the time you put in this is one of the great resources in all of fantasy and i want to start with some of the big risers kevin biggio we've talked about seemingly for every week for the past month so I want to move on to Christian Pash, who, you know, looking at the numbers, they don't really jump out to me. 289, 343, 492, good, certainly. Three homers, but he's been caught on the base pass as many times as he's been successful, 39 Ks. What really has him moving up your board? Well, those are, they're definitely not amazing numbers, but by his standards, they're pretty good. <laughs> Age mean, versus level, yeah. Sure, well, really well, that's all. I mean, they've been really aggressive with his promotions. Yeah, I mean, he, I didn't think he was going to get to double A last year, and he probably didn't even earn a call up uh, from a performance standpoint to double A, but they, they've been fast tracking him for a while just because he has the potential to challenge Byron Buxton and Ramon Laureano for the best defensive center fielder in baseball. And uh, that's, that's the thing that is going to get him to the big leagues is just the fact that he could save so many runs on that side of the ball. Uh, and that is what will probably lock him into an everyday gig, which is nice. It's nice to just know a guy almost kind of no matter what he does at the plate, unless he just kind of has a Byron Buxton type of um, funk. He, his job is going to be pretty safe when he does get to the big leagues because of that defense. And just, you know, he's been making a, a really – a concerted effort to loft the ball more and kind of hopefully just generate enough offense via just trying to pull everything out of the park <laughs> um, mm -hmm. that that it ends up making him a a league average hitter and I, I think that that's possible I mean there's certainly flaws in his uh, offensive skill set lots of swing and miss it's a it's a pretty 
long swing at uh, our buddy Chris Welsh was watching him in the Arizona Fall League and mentioned to me it's like they gave him Ronald Acuna's swing but he's like a tenth of the, <laughs> the hitter that Ronald Acuna is and and uh, Acuna does have that big swing it's a, it's a pretty long swing and and Patchy has that now too and uh, I you know it, it's it's just the fact that I th- I've gone from thinking he was going to be a, a pretty big negative offensively to thinking that there's a chance he could be a guy that, uh, you know, hits, I don't know, 18 homers, 15 to 18 homers with 15 to 18 steals every day, every day playing time. Um, and the, you, you brought up the, the success on the stolen or on the, on the base pass. That's a big thing to point out with him because, you know, a lot of people just say, well, oh, he's a 70 grade runner. So there's going to be a ton of steals there. I think he's like he might be below sixty percent for his career as, in terms of stolen base attempts. It's certainly not anywhere near seventy percent success rate. So I don't really. To me, that's sort of a feel thing. It's kind of tough to really drastically improve that success rate. I think uh, you kind of either are able to read pitchers or, or you're not, and some of it's just it might take him a while to get to that top line speed. So like it, the speed shows itself way more when he's running down balls hitting to the gap than it might when he's trying to steal second base. You're going like first to third. Right. And so I would be pretty cautious with projecting much more than 15 steals, maybe 20 steals in a really good year from him, but he will end up hitting uh, probably at the bottom of the lineup. So that at least should give him some opportunities there but yeah it's just he's he's had a better year at double a than i thought he would uh i think a, a lot of it is unsustainable like i don't think he's a true talent 289 hitter there but uh he's he's been better than i thought i would i wanted to kind of give him some due just because he can say that he's going to be a everyday big leaguer which is something that you know 100 guys on my list that there's fewer than 100 guys on my list that can say that Nice. I'm on baseball reference right now, and they, they say it's Pache, so my apologies to Christian there. Um, Going to be working to get these right more often than not. But our next guy on the list, Alec Baum, and this is surprising to see because I know you were kind of a detractor on Baum, but um, he's already moved up a level this season, and really the numbers haven't fallen off much uh, upon the promotion. Um, are you surprised, and I assume you are, how surprised, I guess is the question, are you with Baum's management of the strike zone and his hold on balls and strikes? Uh, I think I'm surprised mostly that he's had that and still hit for a a ton of power. Um, You know, a good way to be a big riser on the top 400 is for me to be pretty low on you before the season and then you to go out and prove me wrong. That's the case with... Pache and uh and bomb i uh, was pretty low on them coming into the year and they've uh been pleasant surprises so obviously you're gonna gonna get your due we're at the, the nice part about this update it's probably one of my favorite updates of the year is we finally got a, a large enough sample where i feel comfortable saying hey i might have been wrong about this guy or maybe this guy i was a little too high on so it, it's a nice we're at a nice point where the sample is just big enough to start drawing some significant conclusions Nice. Jake Fraley is a guy we have talked about a little bit here and there. He's, of course, part of that Malik Smith trade. Malik Smith, I know he's turned it on since moving down, but really struggling at the big league level. I Meanwhile, Fraley at double A, 304, 379, 496. Um, some speed, some, some pop. Uh, do you think we see him before long at the big league level? I kind of do think he's going to debut this year. I, I would think it might be after the All-Star break, but I think just given his age, you know, and don't I, I caution people don't hold his age against him. I know he, I think he's 24, which is pretty old for double A, but he missed so much time earlier in his career with injuries. Uh, it's not like he was just floundering at low A. Uh, we've mentioned that before. Um, but I think just given that age, you know, if he leaves you in free agency when he's 31 or whatever, like who, who cares? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you just want to get him get him up, get him ready so that he's ready to perform for you in, in 2020. Nice, nice. I just saw, by the way, that Willie Calhoun's getting called up, so just uh, let's just kind of uh, add to the bonanza wow. this week. <laughs> I mean, in picture just money, just money just flying out of people's yeah. pockets. Oh, yeah. I actually, I, I desperately need him in uh, AL labor, which just tells you 
how bad my <laughs> offense has been. I think Michael Chavis has been my literally my best hitter, uh, even though he's only been up for what, two, two, three weeks. Next up, a guy I don't really know much about at all, Dylan Carlson of the Cardinals. Now, you write up about 200-plus prospects for the magazine every year. Dylan Carlson did not make the cut in the preseason. What's he done through how many games? Is it 36 games to really catch your attention? Uh, you know, Before the season, I just kind of saw him as a guy that was okay at everything and not really great at anything. Uh, but I'm starting to think he he may have an above average, maybe even a, a plus hit tool. Um, he is one of the youngest hitters at Double A. Has the size, I think, to eventually become a guy that hits for 20 homer power. Maybe chips in 10 steals, something like that. But I've been really just impressed by how he's handled that jump in competition. I mean, there's a pretty big gap between pitching at, at high A and pitching at Double A, and uh, yeah, he's really, really held his own. I, I don't think he's going to be a star by any means, but I think he's going to be an, an everyday player uh, for the Cardinals at some point who doesn't really hurt you anywhere. Very nice. A real quick note from our sponsor, Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. America's pastime is back. The smell of the grass, the crack of the bat, and now that sensation of money burning a hole into your pocket. Just play Yahoo Daily Fantasy and find a baseball contest that's right for you. Go head-to-head against a friend or find someone online. With Quick Match, you'll only go up against another player of your skill level, play for free or for cash, but the best part is there's no management fee. You keep 100% of your winnings, or play in groups for a larger pot and bigger bragging rights and guaranteed prize pool contests. Every day there's a no management fee contest, meaning we take nothing and all players have a better chance to win. For you really obsessive fans out there, you can set up a league that can spend anywhere between two contests and an entire season. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is easy to play. Just deposit some cash, choose a game, and get to winning. So come make a deposit and get started. Use promo code ROTO25 for $25 in free play with your first deposit. The sooner you get to playing, the sooner you can get to winning. Go to yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy today. You could be celebrating tonight. Now, I'm James, I'm going to jump around and feel free to jump in with any of you guys I may have skipped. But Alec Thomas, another guy I don't know a lot about, only 19 years old. Is he kind of, you know, not in the same tier as some of the um, other teenage players in, in the minor leagues, uh, but is he kind of maybe going to be among that next wave of, of youngsters who are really uh, rising up everybody else's prospect list? I mean, I'm sure there are people that like him even more than I do. I know uh, a lot of, like, the BP guys are big on Alec Thomas. Um, I, my comp on him has been Adam Eaton, and I – I'm still kind of sticking to that, but he's still been a little bit better this year than I would have expected. I just think he's kind of that leadoff hitter type of guy who gets on base at a high clip, hits for a high average, steals 15 bases, hits 12 home runs. That's a really solid player. I mean, we'd take that as our OF3, OF4 in mixed leagues, uh, but not. I don't think he's got the ceiling to really move much past you know 50th overall, 40th overall, something like that. Uh, before he reaches the big leagues. Will Benson of the Indians has been a guy who's kind of jumped up and down. He was a big faller, I think, last year, and now he's back trending upward. Numbers aren't great, but what has you more optimistic about Will Benson now? Uh, I just think it's – I mean, they're <laughs> they're great relative to what he did last year. That's true. Uh, Ks he, are piling up. He uh, is still striking out a ton, but I – you know, I want to be cautious about dinging a guy with his upside too much. On and that's, you know, one of my biases is just like I love hit tools. I'm I'm pretty scared of strikeouts, but we're sort of seeing in this uh, environment that striking out a ton isn't necessarily a death sentence. And guys with his talent just don't come along very often. There just aren't many guys that have his power, speed, upside in the minors, and just the fact that he's rebounded this way, shown an ability to bounce back from just a horrible season last year. And and even while he was hitting 180 last year, he was still above league average because of the power and the plate skills, or I mean the, the plate discipline. So uh, I just felt like his upside and, you know, another guy that was a big riser, Monty Harrison, 
maybe sort of serves as a cautionary tale for dinging Benson too much for the strikeouts. You know, Harrison's had some horrible strikeout rates at several levels, and, uh, you know, he's just kept going back and, and trying to get better, and now he's a borderline top 50 guy for me, and Benson has that same sort of upside, uh, maybe more power potential than Monty Harrison, maybe not quite the, the stolen base upside Harrison has. But I just think it's important to kind of reward him uh, for for having this nice start to the season. And, you know, the the strikeout rate is always going to be a concern, but it's not like I put him in my top 50 or anything like that. It just I think he's a guy that has enough upside where he should be rostered in most RDI size leagues. So any other of these biggest rising hitters that you want to mention before we move on? Yeah, uh, Lolo Sanchez, uh, outfielder in the Pirates system. I think, you know, he wasn't uh, – you know, he was already on the list before this update, but he probably had the biggest jump. He might have jumped from the 300s into just kind of knocking on the door of the top 100. And he's uh, back at low A, a level that he was at last year. And he's striking out only uh, 12.5% of the time, but really rebounded as a hitter, hitting 320 right now. Uh, the bat-to-ball skills are really impressive. He's a guy with uh, at least plus speed, a uh, chance to grow into maybe fringe average, average power, something like that. But I think that just the the hit tool potential combined with the speed, uh, I think he's a guy that could continue to, to soar up these rankings. And I was, I really was kicking myself because I was looking in all my dynasty leagues and I knew, I knew he was unrostered coming into the year in all of them, but uh, I was beat to the punch on adding him in all of them, and, and that's that's a bummer. But I'm sure he's still out there in, in uh, plenty of the listeners' leagues, so definitely go uh, see if Lolo Sanchez is available. Nice. Well, among the biggest fallers among hitters, uh, Nick Madrigal, and this is kind of interesting because, as you said, you really uh, are a fan of hit tools, and uh, I'm wondering, is it that you're a little bit less – optimistic about Nick Madrigal's hit tool or is it something else that has him falling uh well he's you know he's back at I was I was honestly a little surprised they sent him back to high a I thought he might have opened there at double a uh and I if I'd known he was going back to high a my expectations would have been that he would you know hit well over 300 and you know the plate skills are still there he's he's not striking out at all He's walking almost twice as much as he strikes out. But when you have as little power as he does, I mean, he might have 20-grade power. When when you have that little power... You have Billy Hamilton power? You've really got a hit. And you know, I know there's been some bad luck on balls in play and everything, but he's he just hasn't been hitting. And he's he's still inside my top 100, but he's probably a couple more shaky weeks from falling out of it. And with Madrigal, it's it's not as simple as making a mechanical adjustment or a launch angle type of thing. He's just so into hitting the ball to the opposite field for singles that his whole approach would really need to be overhauled for him to start getting to more than like five homer power. And there's there's definitely plus speed. He could be a he could still turn into a, like a leadoff hitter who hits around 300 and steals 20 bases, scores a bunch of runs. That's still a possible outcome. I'm sure that's what the White Sox are hoping for. But you know, I'm less confident that he gets there than I was at the start of the season. Nice, Austin Beck, another guy who's fallen a little bit, and his struggles really could be dated back to to last year. I mean, he hit 296, but. It was kind of an empty-ish 296. So you look at Austin Beck, and what's his long-term outlook, do you think, uh, in fantasy? It, well, I thought his, I thought last year was impressive because he fixed what needed fixing. He cut down on the strikeouts, and he's got huge raw power that he puts on display in, in batting practice. He's got uh, 15 to 20 steal upside. So that combination, you know, the the potential to hit 35 homers, steal 20 bases, that was still there to me coming into this year. And I was really encouraged by the strides he made with making contact, making solid contact last year. Uh, And he 
showed that he can take well to, to coaching. But this year, I don't know if he just sort of set out with like the, I'm going to show I can still hit for power. And that's, that's sort of all he's been thinking about or, or what, but you know, he's already got more than twice as many home runs as he hit last year, but he's almost doubled his strikeout rate as well. And that was the one thing like I would have preferred he just picked up where he left off last year, continued to not hitting for much power in games and, and maintained that, uh, those contact skill gains that he showed at low a, and then I, I still think the power would have come like eventually. And, and he's not a broken player by any means. It's just, he swung too far the other way. And now he's going to have to kind of go back into the, the lab and sort of figure out uh, how to regain the approach he showed at low a and, and not worry so much about trying to hit for power. I, I'm sure he heard it from people like A's fans or his friends like, man, why didn't you hit for power last year? Like stuff like that. And mm-hmm. was eager to sort of show that that was still part of his game, but it, it's definitely come at the expense of his, his hit tool. MJ Melendez was a guy I was pretty optimistic about coming in. I thought he, I think I saw him in a spring game and I was like, man, this guy has the look, but it's been a miserable start to the season for him. This is a guy who had 19 homers, 251 average last year as a 19 year old at, at low A. Now at high A, 141, 245, 261. So how much has this poor start kind of dampened your long-term expectations for MJ Melendez? A lot. I mean, he's – oh, man, it, he was a, a huge faller. I bet he went from – he probably went from like the 80s to yeah, no, like it's the, the top 180s, something like that. Uh, yeah, it, and he's a catching prospect, so it's like – if if any of the catching prospects I ro- in in leagues where like 250 300 prospects are rostered I'm not going to put up with a catching prospect striking out over 40% of the time I just I don't have time for that I've got better ways to use a, a <laughs> roster spot uh, time for that you you kind of need to really believe in a catcher if you're going to roster them in, unless it's a league where you start 30 40 catchers something like that it's just very quick to pull the plug and and i'm i'm probably going to drop ronaldo hernandez of the rays uh for the same reason it's not that i don't think in three or four years he can't sort of get back to being a a really high level prospect but i I just don't have the patience to sort of let a catching prospect at low a or high a go through these these growing pains it's just it's a bad use of a, a roster spot at that point so yeah, it takes so long to develop yeah it's and melendez no you're right when you watch him he he totally looks the part he he looks he's incredibly athletic for a catcher huge raw power um but you know strikeout rate over 40 percent there's very very few guys i would put up with that from let alone a, a catching prospect at high a yeah, that's well put. Shirt and Apostle, uh, Cioli, Matias, Mike Rodolfo, Bo Naylor, also on the list of biggest fallers among hitters. Anybody you want to mention before we move on? No. I. It it bums me out to talk about the fallers. I'd, <laughs> <laughs> we can we can go, go on to the pitchers. It is a bummer. Uh, biggest risers among pitchers, Nate Pearson, Corbin Martin, who we talked a little bit about. Anything else you want to mention about Martin? How, do you think he's able to – I know you said you think he could stick up for good, but is this guy – Kind of uh, a middling, like safe option, kind of as the the outlook says, a safe room mid rotation starter, or is there actually more upside than than people think? I think uh, he he showed this year that there's a bit more upside than that, and I just you know the the Astros are so good with pitchers. He you know he could be. You know, this year's Jack Flaherty or something like that. It, it, he's he's Jeez. good enough where if he, I I wouldn't be surprised if he just pitched really well all season and ended up winning people some leagues. That's certainly not. I wouldn't bid like you're getting next year's Jack Flaherty, but mm-hmm. it's not like you should be treating this guy as just like, oh well, you know, I'll, I'll sit him some weeks, I'll start him some other weeks. I mean, he's he's got upside for sure. There's any workload concerns? I'm looking at the innings from last year. It looks like um, 122. So do you think maybe like 150, 160, more than that? Well, once you get up to 160, you're kind of 
just a normal pitcher. That's right? true. <laughs> Today's age, yeah, that's true. Uh, fair point. Fair point. Uh, what about a guy like Grayson Rodriguez? Not a guy I know a lot about. What's he doing? Uh, oh, this is an O's O's pitching prospect. The Astros so, or really the, sell uh, me on this the O's man. They're they're. Uh, their farm system is probably on as much of an upswing over the first six weeks as, as any. And a lot of that is just them cleaning house in that front office and and kind of getting up, up to speed with the rest of uh, baseball. I think that's a really interesting story. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, tons of upside. He sort of reminded me in the draft of kind of a poor man's Forrest Whitley Uh striking everybody out at at low a right now i wouldn't be surprised if he gets a bump up to high a before the all-star break and gets to pitch alongside dia hall uh it's i know it's it's weird to say but kind of an exciting time to be an orioles fan they're gonna probably get adley rutschman in the draft who's the best catching prospect i've ever seen and uh they're gonna inject more talent in the draft and rodriguez is yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he finished the year as a top 50 prospect. Yeah, I think I heard of something on Twitter about how every double-A hitter they had had a certain measuring device on their bat, I think on the handle. Uh, just to read, you know, bat speed, things like that. I just think it's funny and, and interesting that like an organization like this has been pulled out of the dark ages, really in the span of like a year, and in, taking advantage of modern information and technology. Uh, that has to be encouraging as an O's fan for sure. Uh, Jordan Balazovic, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, he's on this list as well. Uh, behind some other guys who we've talked a lot about, Ryan Weathers, Zach Gallon. So what has uh, Balazovic shown uh, that has really impressed you? He's a stud. He's 6'4". He's kind of my prototypical pitcher build, 6'4", like 180, 185. Uh, Mid-90s fastball. He's been even better at high A since getting a promotion there. I think he's got double-digit Ks in both of his starts there. And, yeah, this is going to be – I mean, right now we're on – it's it's Helium City with Belazovic. He <laughs> He's putting up video game numbers. He's um, just really, really improved – and wasn't on a ton of people's radar coming into the year. I think one of my bold predictions was that he would finish the year ahead of Bruce Dar Gratterall as the Twins' top pitching prospect, and I've got him like two spots behind Gratterall right now. He's probably been scooped up in most serious dynasty leagues already. I think just sort of based on where I had him, if you're listening to this, you probably already rostered him, but now he's inside the top 100, probably one of the biggest helium guys across the industry you know we were semi high on him i think i had him in my top 200 coming into the year but uh a guy who i think by the end of the year is going to be inside everyone's top 100 well one last quick uh, piece of business here nice little piece of business it's daily fantasy baseball but not like the other guys on my new favorite app draft on draft you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league drafts last for just one night and once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, play for a cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. I've been playing uh, occasionally on drafts, and I'm enjoying it. Just nice having a unique roster. Uh, no two rosters are alike, and no two players on, this, on multiple teams at all. So it's, it's nice. Uh, you can join me on Draft today. Just search Draft in your app store or play right from your computer on Draft.com. For a limited time only, all Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast listeners get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code Rotowire. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using my promo code Rotowire when you make your first deposit. Search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter promo code Rotowire. One last guy I want to ask you about specifically, James. Braxton Garrett. I'm a little surprised to see him on your list of risers just because he's been out for so long. Following Tommy John surgery, only 23 innings so far this year. Whip's a little high, but uh, are you just glad to see him healthy and, and missing bats? Yeah, and he's he's the type of pitching prospect I can uh, happily get back on board the hype train with because he's a uh, 6'3 lefty with uh, great secondary pitches. And 
I wouldn't worry about the walks or the the whip or anything right now. You know, the command is usually the last thing to come back after Tommy John surgery. So just great to see that the the stuff is is back to sort of where it was pre-draft. Uh, obviously, a little bit better in terms of the changeup, but yeah, he's he's exciting. He missed so much time that I think in maybe shallower leagues he's he might still be out there just because you know i i always advise being quick quick to to pull the plug on pitchers that go undergo tommy john surgery unless it's like a hunter green type of guy uh and garrett certainly would have fallen into the bin of guys i would have advised cutting back when he had the procedure but it's it's doubtful that he was picked up everywhere coming into this year and and he might still be out there so just really good to see him back and pitching healthy you know tommy john surgery it's not a 100 percent success rate we've seen that with plenty of guys brent honeywell kind of the latest example there of of a guy who has been slow to recover so it's just it's good to finally see him back on the mound i remember last week when we did the the grab bag kind of the the mailbag somebody asked about rockies prospects anybody kind of below the top tier who's worth considering and i think you mentioned ryan rollison Looking at these numbers, especially at Lancaster before the promotion, just off the charts, and he's been even better in three starts since moving up. Um, a wrong, he moved up, right? Or I'm sorry, that was well. He moved up to Lancaster. I'm right. Sorry. I'm it, sorry. I mean, that's a really good point, though. It's you know, I, I understand not being interested in Rockies pitchers. I'm typically not interested in Rockies pitchers, but this is a guy who had let's see two home starts in Asheville. Uh, really good results uh, before getting that promotion and now four straight starts at, at Lancaster and he's been excellent I mean that's wild that's that's really impressive and he's kind of he's one of he's one of those pitching prospects that I tend to gravitate towards because there you know nobody's talking about oh Rallison was touching 98 or he's got this potentially 70 grade breaking ball stuff like that that it's more kind of a sum of the parts uh potentially elite command with four pitches that could all be above average or better like those are typically the types of guys who can uh surprise some evaluators in terms of how good they become i think of you know, Mike Soroka was kind of talked about this way back in the day as sort of limited upside because of velocity and lack of an elite uh, off-speed pitch. I mean, there's there have been other examples kind of like that. I mean, Jack Flaherty was kind of like this back when he was a prospect. And, yeah, it's scary that he's a Rockies prospect, but it's certainly encouraging that he's handled these very uh, hitter-friendly environments early on in his pro career. Yeah, I mean – do you think he's? I mean, he's a lefty, but do you think he maybe has the, the good enough stuff to be kind of like a left-handed Marquez? So am I getting carried away here? I doubt it, and that's well. No, I mean, short answer is just no. I mean, Marquez's stuff is so nasty, you know that. Uh, I, it's going to be a different type of experience. Maybe he could be. Maybe you look at Tyler Freeland as as sort of a more apt comp for him, but, um, you know, we don't it's not a 100% lock that he's going to be a Rocky when he debuts. And they, I know they, they hardly ever trade their prospects, but I think it would be a mistake, especially in deeper leagues to just not roster this guy just because he's a Rockies pitching prospect. He might be one of the 25 best pitching prospects in the minors right now. And it's just the fact that he's a Rockies pitching prospect that people are discounting him. Nice. Well, very thorough, Update here. You mentioned all the players you added and dropped as well. As I said, uh, the most up to date and thorough prospect list on the internet. So, anything else you want to mention here before we before we move on? Nah, man. Let's 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 get to it. All right, we're gonna end the show today by by me just blithering about the Wu Tang documentary I watched uh, last night. I watched the first three episodes of the Showtime special of Mike's and Men. James, you, you still got to get caught up. I'd love to get your thoughts next week. But I'll just give my quick review here. Absolutely loved it. Um, got into some stuff, some heavy stuff. But I think for the first half hour, I just had a had a grin on my face. Just so cool to see these guys. See them interact a little bit. You know, They're all kind of situated in kind of like a movie theater type thing, watching old clips, 
talking and just seeing the com- camaraderie, seeing old clips of these guys. Uh, it's really cool. And I didn't realize that RZA actually had faced a long prison sentence, eight years, I think, in Steubenville, Ohio, after his mom moved to Steubenville. He beat the charge and then kind of decided to get on the straight and, straight and narrow, something I didn't know about RZA. And really the whole documentary is jam-packed with little little bits of information. As much as I think I know about Wu-Tang, there's a lot I really didn't know. Uh, first of all, like I was just so excited when I saw that this was uh, a thing. I think I, I've only seen one commercial for it maybe, but I've tried to watch at least one other Wu-Tang documentary and it was just really poorly done. Like there was, it was low budget, you know, it just wasn't very enticing. And this one actually looks like they, they did it right. You know, they, they really there was did. a, there was a legit budget on the documentary and yeah, I mean, if, if there's a group of eight guys that have some stories to tell, that would be, that'd be one of them. Yeah. It's cool seeing just, yeah, as I mentioned, just little tidbits. Who do you think was the big pusher among the group? And you know what I mean by that? Uh, Raekwon. That's a good guess. You got. Oh, yeah. He had meth selling his stuff. Um, (laughs) Just kind of interesting knowing little things about who they are. And, like, who knew each other as a kid growing up? Like, meth used to walk home from school with Ray, and they all kind of lived in the same area of Staten Island. And uh, most of them, anyway. It was pretty cool. Also, another thing in the last episode that I watched, episode three, a lot about old dirty bastard, <clears throat> R.I.P. His life, and you know he he really was a smart guy. He was a pretty brilliant guy. And one thing that I think about is kind of the lost records in history, things that never happened, or projects that didn't really come to fruition, see the light of day to the public. Old dirty bastards post prison sentence album in like two thousand three. What could have been with that album? Because he signed with Rockefeller Records. Rockefeller Records and RZA apparently wanted to like hunker down and make like the best album of all time what that album could have been with RZA producing could have been something special yeah that was a very very confusing signing at the time it happened I mean I was Dirt McGurr this was this was peak me you know listening to everything Rockefeller pumped out at that time and even I thought the edition of ODB just didn't fit at all stylistically. Not at all. That just was a very odd fit from from the jump. It really was strange. And, you know, ODB, when he came out of prison that time, apparently, you know, you're just not the same guy. And he didn't really live much longer after that. It's a pretty sad story. But also just BS that he got locked up in, I think, 2000, 2000 for being in possession of body armor as a convicted felon. How is that a – it's not a law anymore, but how how absurd is that law? Uh, really just messed up. But he was he was brilliant, and, and Riz's love for him is very apparent. Also, Riz's brother, I'm not a huge fan, but Divine, have you ever heard of him? I've kind of like the uh, seen, manager. I've seen, uh, I've seen the name, yeah. Yeah, his first kind of on-air interview. And, you know, he, he said some poignant things, just the fact that Egos got in the way, and that's really kind of what led to the demise of uh, Wu Tang. But he, you know, they, him and Riza kind of shared in that because they didn't want to let guys go. They didn't want to let guys off the label. So uh, it's a crazy, crazy story. Highly recommend you check it out. Of Mike's and Men, Wu Tang Clan. It's on Hulu if you don't have Showtime specifically. But uh, let us know if you check it out, what you think. Chime in on Twitter at Clay W. Link. James is at Real JR Anderson. Anderson. I can't talk today some reason but we'll be back with you next week on the roadwire prospect podcast sponsored by yahoo daily fantasy sports
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.